Hello and welcome to episode 171 of Three Beers and Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. And Barry, we are once again at home. Um, yeah. Different homes. Well, I'm at a different home. You're in the same home. I'm in a different home. Which is why we're a little <laughs> gap there of... We maybe have missed a week there because essentially I was not in any fit state to try and do any sort of podcasting. I was a physically, mentally and broken man. Um, yes. Yeah. Moving house always takes its toll on everybody, so don't feel like it's just a you thing. It yeah. literally breaks everybody. You feel like you're the band who I'm going to handle this a lot better than anyone else. How how difficult can it be? And then by like the third day into it, you're like, I am a bro. I am I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. So um, yeah, so we're a couple of days there, and we're kind of struggling to do any pod. But also, more importantly, wasn't watching any movies because basically falling asleep straight after. I spent all day, you know, doing stuff for what uh, stuff in the house. So, yeah, but we managed to catch up on some on some viewing. So we're a wee bit behind on what's been kind of hitting the screens recently. But at, at one point, they were kind of struggling to sort of find something new. So playing catch up for the next couple of weeks is not exactly the worst thing in the world. It gives a wee bit of um, material to, to to meander our way through over the next few weeks until things start reopening or, so, or, or something, which is probably not going to happen before um, anytime before Christmas. Um, because of no, chance, I, yeah. I think it's going to be March, to be honest. Yeah. That's what I can project. Yeah. Uh, as, as I seen, what was it, yesterday that, or the day before, that the government came out and said that they're extending the furlough scheme to March yeah. next year. So that gives you at least a clear indication about where we are in the UK. So. Exactly, yeah. Um, but at least we're not scraping the barrel trying to find anything randomly to watch yeah. so at least we can, we can give a bit more interesting stuff to watch if we can if we had a wee, a wee, a wee couple of fallow weeks there um, yeah yeah because it was getting to the point where we were going to have to pop down to the local garage and find some DVDs it, it was to getting watch. to that point it was getting to that point I agreed we'd, we'd pretty much done all Netflix and Amazon had to offer we're trying to find just anything to watch um, so yeah so at least we've got a wee, wee bit of interesting stuff to watch now um, it is a Saturday night it is a relatively it's half six on a Saturday night are you drinking anything tonight uh, I, I've actually just cracked open my first can uh, a nice can of uh, Strombo Dark Fruits nice one yeah, taking it easy. Taking yourself. I'm also my having my first drink in my, my new abode. Um, I'm having a Brewdog Clockwork Orange, just um, oh, some, something nice, nice, nice and chill to. It's the first time this has been really literally the first day I've had to really sort of properly kind of chill out, relax, and do something fun as opposed to, you know, DIY related. Um, so it's yes. nice, nice to sit and relax and have a drink. Um, Good. And we will start as usual with the Camel Laird update. Now it's been a wee while since we talked about the Camel Lairds, Obviously, we've been off. Um, it's not been a good time for the Camelairs, Barry. It has not been a good time. So, a couple of weeks ago, a 1-0 loss to Stockport Town, which was unfortunate because they lost, it was a penalty in the last minute, so that sucked. Um, after that, they had a 3-0 loss to a team called Stone Old Allians, and apparently, by all accounts, that was the worst performance the manager's ever seen the team play, so things were not looking good for the, the Camelairs. And then, recently, they just lost 3-1, to Sandback United. Uh, but by all accounts, it's a very, very good game. So they're a very, very good team they're playing against, and they actually were unlucky not to get something out of that game. But unfortunately now, because of the lockdown in England, the lockdown mark two, essentially all football at that level has once again been uh, shut down. So their, se- their season is now on, on hold for, well, no one really knows how long. But essentially, they're not going to be playing for the next few weeks at least. I think it's a four-week lockdown, isn't it? They've sort of put in place right now. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So I imagine they'll be all, they'll not be playing for four weeks, which is a bit of a shame because the players can't you know bounce back. But 
hopefully four weeks time you know just start December they'll be able to start playing again what I don't understand is how they can come out cancel the the lower divisions but yet they'll happily keep the Premier League on the go and you're like it's quite it's quite clear to see that money talks you know I think that you've pinned it down exactly the other night the money talk people want to watch those games on TV and it's it's almost like a distraction for people they, they, if people can, if there's enough football on TV people won't get shitty people won't be arsing going it was a horrible week it's a horrible day outside I can sit at home and watch the football no one's bugging me to do anything else but if it was like any other if there's nothing on TV like the football to watch people would get a bit more antsy maybe at that point they do start going out to have parties and people, things like that but if the football's on people can sort of just say, sit at home and just go well I'll sit and watch the football and not cause any bother and I think the government's pushing for that You know, they know the football is a good distraction um, uh-huh. it's, the old, it's the old Roman idea of was it bread and circuses will distract you know make sure people are well fed and give them something to watch and they'll be fine and that's essentially what the football is that's the thing to make sure people are, are watching something and not watching anything else you know not not, not yeah. getting not thinking of revolution essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also because obviously all the big uh, the only other piece of nugget I want chip in here is the fact that I don't know if it's been like down at your bit, but at least up at here, it feels like I'm living in some sort of like Vietnam War or something because it has been constant fireworks for like the last three days up here. So, we, uh, how's it been down your we've area? Had, surprisingly not that bad. I was actually I was kind of that was because we moved in on the on Halloween, so I was expecting the, that whole week to be sort of all um, firework based in their area. But it's actually apart from on on November fifth, it was not too shabby. It was like sort of. Loud, but not overly, not tons. You maybe a wee hour worth of it, um, yeah. but nothing much. I know my sister who lives down in Cowanning, she's been hearing that, that it's been absolutely hellish for about three weeks now. Every single night, we're just setting stuff off. Um, so, yeah, but hopefully, that can, I don't understand why that was on sale. People should have been really, they should have been stopping that getting sold this year, I think. Yeah, it was, it was just an accident waiting to happen. Well, a recipe for disaster, stuff, should we say? Yeah. Uh, we're sounding like such old men nowadays, Barry, that we don't even like fireworks. Yeah, I don't mind fireworks until I open up like uh, the news websites and I see nothing but two houses have been destroyed in Motherwell because of broke fireworks. Yeah. And also, uh, where we actually used to live, one of the other streets decided to have a 70-plus person party Fuck around the yeah. bonfire rattling off fireworks and someone's car getting burnt. You know what I mean? It's like, that's when I'm just like, well, I think it's time we don't this in the head, to be honest, because without the big displays, you've now got families also going by and fireworks as well. Aye. So like, this just adds to the problem. Yeah, it's probably one of the things where people um, weren't spending money on anything else, so there's a shit ton more money to spend on. Fireworks, they're not, they're not, they're not cheap. You know, yeah. so obviously they're, they're more money to spend on it this year, and that's why maybe they were sort of more prevalent this year than they have been in previous years. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Oh well, hopefully better times next year. Indeed. On from that, we'll start talking about a movie chat as, as, a, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a remit now. We'll chat about um, the world for, um, for too long. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Come join us next week for more End of the World chat. Yeah, but we'll try and fix the world a bit better. Um, the first film we talk about is one of you've not seen it, but I've watched it and I'm going to talk about it quite quickly and briefly. It's called Random Acts of Violence. Um, which is directed by Jay Baruchel. Um You'll know him from he is the friend in Goon. See the see the the wee kind of loudmouth friend. Yes. He's in that. He's also in is it the end of the world? The one with um, Seth Rogen and all that kind of stuff. And the world's ending. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so this is his second film he's directed. He directed the, the sequel to Goon, which was Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. He also wrote the first Goon, but didn't direct that one. He, he directed the second Goon, um, which, to be honest but with me, it's like, I'm very excited about Goon 2, mm-hmm. and Goon 2 was mostly average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't yeah. great, yeah. After, the, after how good the first one was, Goon 2 wasn't particularly great. Um, so... Plot of this one essentially, it's a it's a writer who's doing a cross country tour to sign his comic book that he is the creator of. Um, it's a comic book about a, a serial killer, um, and his own creation begins hunting him uh, as he travels through the the sort of back roads across America, um, and essentially he becomes sort of hunted down by his own creation. Um, and there's, a, there's a bit of about you know how much was his creation, how much was him taking stuff from something he'd heard and sort of like appropriating it to this sort of almost superhero type character who is a, who's actually a killer um, and it's um, and it's, um, it's him sort of coming come to terms with the idea of like you know what he's created and what he's made as it begins to hunt him um, throughout the throughout the um, throughout America um, it's based on a comic book by Jimmy Palmotti who is a very well known comic book writer I've never read the comic but I've heard it's pretty decent so it's based on that uh, in the film, you've got J- Jesse Williams, who apparently was in Cabin in the Woods and Grey's Anatomy, but I'm not—I can't really picture him in Cabin in the Woods, and I can't—I don't—I never watched Grey's Anatomy. And uh, you also got Jay Baruchel. He turns up. He directs it and writes, co-writes the uh, screenplay and plays uh, a supporting role in it. So the man is definitely a busy dude. Uh, Jordana Brewster from The Faculty and from The Fast and the Furious. She pops up as a girlfriend, as does Niam Wilson. Yeah, she pops up as another a friend. So it's the four of them travelling cross-country, cross being hunted by this serial killer. They're not really sure if it's a, a piss take or if it's actually real uh, for the last part of the film. Um, so it's, it's an interesting take. It's the idea of, like, a, it's the kind of Stephen King aspect of, like, a creator who, who kind of hates his own creation and not really sure, and also coming to terms of what that creation now means in the world, you know, because he, he encounters people who have been killed by the real live version of this serial killer, whereas his version of it on, on page has made him a lot of money, made him very famous, and he's and it's like it's people sort of angry at him, you know, for, for doing this, you know. Um, so in that respect, it's quite, it's quite an interesting way into the slasher flick. It's not necessarily about just... It's not trying to glorify the killer, which I think obviously a lot of slasher films do these days, and what we have done for the last like thirty years. You know, you think of like Freddy vs. Jason and uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween. You can name the killer, but you can't name the victims. Mm-hmm. You know, Scream as well. You can remember the ghost face killer, but you can't remember any of the, apart from um, anyone who dies in that film. So it's trying to take away from the idea of like, the killer being sort of the hero of these pieces. They 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 shouldn't be seen as the hero of. The horror film, um, so in that respect, you give it a few plaudits for the effort it's putting in towards that. Uh, it's an interesting sort of way into the movie. Um, it attempts to make the deaths not be gl- not be glorified gory, just be sort of they are shocking deaths at times, or they are they are gory because people get murdered. But it's not it's not it doesn't seem to revel in the deaths quite as much as say something like Scream. Or, but which scream is a piss take of the, the horror genre, but like Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween does. There's a sense, there's a, there's, a, there's a, a real brutality to them that makes them very uneasy, very uneasy to watch. Um, so again, in that respect, I give applauds for that for doing that. Um, the cast are all pretty solid. No one's really great in it. They're all they are all playing sort of 
you can almost tell who's going to die there. Like any horror film, you can tell who's going to die there early on. There's no sort of, there's no real surprise over who's going. You know, the best friend is probably going to go. You know, the surplus girl who no one's sleeping with, she's probably going to die at some point. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the the thing that brings it down a little bit is the finale. It seems like a tonal shift. This, the, 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 most of the films that is sort of a, a a unique spin on the slasher film, which I'm all for. But then the film sort of twists in the final third to become a bit more kind of almost art housey, a bit kind of surreal, a bit kind of like psychedelic almost. Um, and that feels totally out of whack with the rest of the film to the point where you're going to go, okay, I don't really get what, you know, how that fits in with the rest of the film. And that was kind of the biggest letdown in the film. You know, it's just this complete shift in the conclusion of the film. Um, it didn't really yes. work. It didn't really work for me, and, and pretty much all of them. That I, I thought the film was pretty decent, but the final thought just really, really, really let it down. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. If you're not a fan of horror, so I don't think you'd be a huge fan of this one. It is. It is quite gory. It's quite creepy at times. So I don't think you'd be. I don't think you'd be the, the man to watch this one. I'm afraid. Um, because you're yeah. a bit, you're a bit of a wuss. I, I was. I did have intentions of watching it until I tried to go and find it, and then I discovered it was behind a paywall right. uh, on uh, through Amazon on the Shudder yes. channel, and then I tried to find it through illegal means, and then just couldn't find it at all. Yeah. So I kind of knocked it on the head. But yes. To be honest, yeah, I probably would have watched it and then sat there going, "Oh, for fuck's sake, here we go, another yeah. horror movie." Yeah. <laughs> I apologise for making you watch horror, which I'll probably not do, but I'm doing it next week again. Um... <laughs> So, if you're a horror fan, it's a, it's, a, it's a very solid film. It's a very decent movie. Um, like I said, the final act is maybe does kind of bring it down a little bit. But overall, I found it pretty enjoyable. Like I, I, I'm, a, I'm a horror fan. Um, I'm a particular fan of horror films that don't revel in violence. You know, they sort of it's part of the story, but they don't seem to take glee in the violence. And this one, I, I felt, didn't take as much glee in the gruesomeness and the violence as other films of this. Like, you know, like I saw... Or a yes. hostel and things like that tend to do. So in that respect, I, I was quite I, I I liked that part of it. Um, very passable, very watchable. I give it six and a half out of ten. I could. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, for a horror, that's pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on from that, we're going to move on to Netflix. Um, so in fact, two Netflix films. The first one is a Netflix original, and that is the Trial of the Chicago Seven, directed by Aaron Sorkin who has directed Molly's Game, but he's better known for creating things like The West Wing and The Newsroom, uh, Sports Night, uh, what else did he write? He wrote American President, he wrote, uh, what's the other one, the big one? Officer, an officer, gentleman. A Few Good Men, he wrote that as well. So he's a very well-known writer, a, a fantastic writer of sort of drama and fiction. He's a one, he puts words in actors' mouths that are, you know, actors love to speak and that's very much on, on the play here um, but he's, this is his only second movie after directing Molly's Game um, the plot of this film, it's very primarily brief as possible, essentially it's a historical film where a bunch of hippies essentially, what they're, they're calling them, radicals go to Chicago in order to um, protest against the, the government about the, the, the Vietnam War about who are picking for the Democratic Convention Um Chicago is where it's set. They, they, they get told not to go there. When they do go there, the police basically start causing trouble, but then the police arrest a lot of these guys and basically accuse them of sedition, which is, you know, crossing state lines in order to cause violence and protest. Um, and these guys all go on trial, 
And the film is essentially not so much about the actual events that happened, but it's all about the trial and how the trial perceived these these seven men, in fact, eight men if you when you get into the film, and you know, their, their relationship with their lawyers, with the judge, and how they're portrayed in the media, and how ultimately how it all pans out for them. Um, interesting cast, really good cast. You get Eddie Redmayne popping up in it, um, and what yep. was I was surprised that I actually quite enjoyed Eddie Redmayne in this film. I don't know, I don't, I don't really like him that much, but I thought he was actually okay in this film. Um, you get mm-hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen in it, um, Jeremy Strong, Mark Rylance plays a lawyer, Joseph Gordon Levitt plays another lawyer in it. Um, Yaha Abdul Martin II, he pops up in it in a really, really powerful role. Frank Langella plays the, the judge. And Michael Keaton pops up for five minutes and becomes Michael Keaton and steals the film because he is goddamn Michael. He is goddamn Michael Keaton, and that's what Michael Keaton can do. Um, I've talked a lot right now. What do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, I like this movie. Once again, another movie that you've picked where I don't quite know if I'm watching a movie that's set in history or if it's a movie set in America 2020. Yes, uh, I think that's a major point of it. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's good to see that. After fifty years, America still has the same problem with police. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's changing good much. That, it's good that they can't ever get that under control, but yeah. you know, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I loved this movie. I thought it was actually really good. Uh, it did actually start off out when I first switched on. I thought oh, this is going to be like a political movie the way mm. it all kind of started, but it quickly disbanded that idea, and uh, it kind of just moved more into these guys uh, and. Uh, struggle with the court system and also the events of like that night when oh. the conference was going on. Yeah, it's, um, definitely, it's definitely a political film, but you're absolutely right, it does get into more sort of the, the character study of, yes. of who these guys are and what causes them to be in this position in the first place and how they all react sort of they all react the same but they all react differently to, to what it to what it is and they all have some some of them have like sort of different ideas of how they're going to pursue against the court, you know, um you know, some of them want to like sort of show the court up as being idiotic. Others are, want to play the game of what what the court is and try to respect it. So it's interesting to see how that you know how the how the, the seven or eight of them uh, all combine um, together and how they all how, how their sort of outlooks on what the court is change. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and um, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I've, I didn't actually know anything about this until like I watched this movie, so it was good for like just like a, just to kind of learn about the fact that in '69, like this was all going on. Obviously, I knew that uh, the people were never happy about the Vietnam War. Yeah, um, but to see that there was like wide scale rioting going on uh, about it was just phenomenal. Uh, 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 it's, it's, it, it, the, I, the, that's I think that's also this as much as people were against it and people are very much against it because it still happened it felt like that was a bit when the sort of the idea of the movement the hippie movement sort of maybe died the counterculture movement sort of died a little bit when they couldn't stop it but they did stop it eventually but it felt like a, it took a lot of energy and a lot of people had to die before anything sort of stopped um, yes. so um, but what I would say about this one is an interesting historical film it is definitely not an historical document it's not it's not. It's not hundred percent. Not. It's not even maybe fifty percent accurate as to yes. what happened. Um, the portrayal of certain characters in it is very much Aaron Sorkin putting his own politics on the people when they have maybe a sort of more extreme politic political view. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. In a way that sort of it might betray the character character as well, 
but it doesn't portray the character accurately. Um, specifically with the character that Sasha Baron Cohen plays, they sort of yeah, okay. they they don't portray him in particularly accurate ways. He was much right. more of a sort of he was much more leftist, much more radical. He wanted to overthrow the government. They did it. They sort of in this film portray him as sort of like a gullible, not a gullible, gullible, but sort of like a guy who wants the system to change within what he's working with. He wants he wants the government just to change and be better. He didn't want that. He wanted to overthrow the government. That that was his general idea that the government was broken. You can't work with this government that they've got. They have to destroy it and have to break it. And have to make a new, completely new political system. Um, and the, the guy's name is Abby Hoffman. Um, so they have to try and. So they portray them in a way that's definitely positive, but not accurate, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, that's understandable, though, because it is like, it's one of these movies, unless it's a, almost like a straight documentary, you, you always have to take that there's going to be some creative liberties being taken with any of these kind of, uh, style like uh, political movies. Yeah. At least sorry historical movies you know you're, you're always going to get it it's it's always the same even in the war genre as well it's always like uh they never betray it's always a more like amped up kind of hero kind of movie more than like it was just a slog fest and they just happened to die first kind of thing yeah 100% right I mean I, I get that and like the, the, the Sorkin dialogue is magnificent and it delivers so well that you, you, you want this to be the real way it was you want this to be the the truth mm. But ultimately, when I was watching it, knowing that it wasn't the truth, left me feeling a bit sour. Like, there's a big scene in it when, he, when they start reading out the names of... Yes. Yeah. Right? In reality, he read out the names of the Viet Cong, who died as well. Ah, uh, okay. So that seems, you know, so that's idea. Like, so these people hated the military. They, they weren't military supporters. They weren't, like, sort of, they weren't doing it because they, they loved the military. They are doing it because they don't think people should go and die and fight a war in a country that doesn't, you know, so... By by putting it this way, it sort of portrays them as sort of military loving patriots, and they weren't, you know. And that's that's a big. It's, it's, a, it's a big. It's, it's a like I said, nothing about them is is portrayed in a negative way, but as as a tonal shift as to who the people actually were. So knowing that left a sour taste in my mouth. But the film uh, itself is still very entertaining, and it's still a very watchable movie. Um, and without digging into the politics of it. You could enjoy it just as a movie, um, and enjoy the sort of, and, and enjoy the the storytelling of it. The sad thing is, it's how kind of inaccurate it was makes it less appealing. Once you once you start knowing the, the history or something and knowing the actual truth behind it, um, that's when you start. That's when I sort of lost a little bit of not interest in it, but I definitely dropped it down a few marks in, in my book because it, it was so skewed version of of, of what actually happened. Or, Oh, well, that's fair enough. Like, like I said, it's like if you know the actual like, true story, you'd find it that there has been liberties taken with it. Yeah. I, on the other hand, did not know, so I was kind of blindly just going along with this story. And, yeah. yeah, enjoyed it. If you get a chance, listen to the most recent dollops. There's a three parter all about Abby Hoffman. Um, uh, okay. And it tells you the, the true Abby Hoffman story. And it's it, what, what they did in court uh, is even more insane than what they were doing in the movie. Okay. Like, okay. some of the stuff they're doing to the judge. It was just nothing short of like the judge was just he was obviously he was not he was not he was not a fair and, and uh, that was pretty accurate that he was not a fair uh, uh, judge he was very, definitely very much a skewed judge and he was definitely wanting to rule against rule against him at all points during the um, the case but how they mess with him is just throughout the film is just it's fantastic in real life was just nothing short of phenomenal and 
you can imagine the guy just absolutely losing his shit, just not knowing how to react um, to, to these like two idiots who were like not idiots, these two sort of like guys who knew exactly how to work them and knew exactly how yeah. to play them in every single way. So um, yeah, so if you get a chance to if you get a chance to, to listen to that, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, on the film itself, perform- I thought all the performances were really good. Like I said, Eddie Redmayne, I actually really liked in this film. He had mm-hmm. lost that sort of weird, awkward, autistic thing that he always has in every other movie I've watched him in. Mean, he just sort of won't look at the camera. You know, he won't look yeah. at the- he-, he actually he had a bit of warmth to him, I thought, for the first time in any film, which I thought was um, was-, was nice. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, we'll talk about him more next week, but you know, he- he's a very good actor. People forget about this. Yes. You know, he has- he actually yeah, yeah. He's a very good actor, and he plays the role. He plays what he's probably told to play um, exceptionally well. Um, Mark Rylands playing the sort of the council judge, the main, the main the lawyer, the judge, the lawyer for the defence. I thought he was excellent as well. Um, and the guy uh, Yaha Abdul Matin the second, he I thought was excellent. He was playing the, the 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 defendant who wasn't involved with the seven. He was like the other one, the 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 Black Panther. Yes. And I thought he was the way he played it was absolutely fantastic as well. And when you that is one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in the cinema for a long or in movies for a long time. And the scene when he's dragged out of the court was just absolutely just horrendous. Yeah. That that yeah. happened and that happened in a court in America in the seventies, sixties, sorry, sixties. It's insane. I did also like his life uh, when he was leaving for Chicago and I think it was like his girlfriend or his wife or something was trying to stop him. Right. And then she's like and then she hands him a gun and then she's like, Well at least take this and he's like, I wouldn't be protesting if I knew how to use that. I was oh. like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um so yeah. Really, really good. Really, it's an interesting film. It's an easy, it's an interesting watch. It's a decent watch. Like you said, you enjoyed it immensely. You obviously didn't know as much about the history of it, so you'll definitely get a lot yeah, of yeah. it. But it's worth digging deeper into the history of it to, to find find out more. Um, and and if, it, and if this film helps to open up people to the history of this event and the people involved in it, then I'm all for it. Um, but just some of the stuff in it, like a little sour taste in my mouth, how people were treated in it. Um, and if they no one was treated negatively. Just not the way I think they would want to be treated. Not the way they want to be seen. Yes. Um, uh, fair enough. Fair out, of, out of ten, what do you give it? I'm giving it eight out of ten because that's how much I enjoyed it. Fair enough. I'm not far off. I'm seven and a half out of ten. I, I also thought it was excellent and, and, and worth a watch. Just um, there was more stuff in it. That I thought maybe needed reassessing, and that's more down to the the way Sorkin writes his characters. Um, yeah. But yeah. On from that, we go to the second Netflix movie of the week, uh, which is a remake of a very well-known novel by Daphne du Maurier, uh, which is called Rebecca, which was previously adapted in 1940 by Alfred Hitchcock, and it won Best Picture. So if you're going to try and adapt a movie again, a film that won Best Picture and was directed by one of the you know seminal directors of, of history... It's a pretty yes. tough. It's a pretty tough ask. Um, so the man, yeah. the, the man who's been tapped for this is Ben Wheatley. Um, mm-hmm. He directed um, High Rise, which um, yes. I think, yeah, um, Free Fire, Sightseers, A Field in England. So really interesting. Some would say very more like sort of art housey and almost like you know indie movies in many ways. This seemed yeah. this seemed definitely a different, certainly a different kind of movie for him to direct. Um, in the film, you've got Lily James playing. What's the woman's name in it again? Mrs. Oh, uh, just sounds. I've got it right in front of me. Uh, Dan Danvers, Mrs. Danvers. No, Mrs. Danvers is um, Kirsten Scott Thomas. That's the they call the new oh, they call the new Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Van Hopper. 
Mrs. De Winter. Mrs. De Winter. So oh, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's Lily James's character. Uh, Army Hammer plays Mr. De Winter, looking like Army Hammer, the most handsome man on the planet. Um, <laughs> Anne Dowd plays the sort of the hair, um, the woman that Lily James is looking after in, in Monaco. And Sam Riley plays a conniving man who you can tell from the moment he steps on the screen is conniving because he's Sam Riley, and that's how you know he's a bad or a, or a conniving, underhand kind of man. Um, yes. Have you ever seen the original? No. Have you read the book? No. <laughs> I think I've I've seen the film. Did, did I know this was a book until you told me? No. <laughs> no. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I've not read the book either. I don't think I've read the book. Either. I've seen. The, I think I've seen the film. I'm sure I've seen at least most of the film. I can't. Remember. I'm sure I watched it during university for like study class and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I have seen it. Um, what do you think of this one? Yeah. Uh, out of the gate, I, I thought, what the fuck is Richard Pick this week? Yeah. <laughs> some sort of weird, like, period romantic drama shit. Yes, yes. And then, as time went on, and I still kept on watching it, it's, it did actually kind of turn into the movie that I thought it was going to be. Yes. Um, sadly, though, it did take a long time to get to that point, and by that point, I did also lose a lot of fucking interest in it. No, so kind of the problem. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I like the start because the, the start of the film is very pretty. It's very sort of the, the whole meet, yeah. the whole meet cute them falling in love is is actually really well done, and it's it's very different from what you expect from Ben Wheatley. You know, he's his films are very much they're usually a bit darker, a bit nastier. You know, people getting impaled on like nitty rows and killed by baftas, and you know, the one of his films just it's a shootout in the middle of a a warehouse, you know, that's all the film is, and it's amazing, you know, but it's very much, it's dirty and grimy. That was very slick and very, you know, soft and very romantic in many ways, so that was really well done. Um, I'm with you. I think it took a long time to get to the sort of the meat of the... I I don't want to call it a horror, because it's not really a horror, because it's not a horror. It's a psychological thriller, I think, is more what it's meant to be, yeah. Um... But it took a long time for that to sort of build up and build up, you know. Um, and maybe they needed a bit of time to build it up, but it just took, I felt like it took too long to get to that. Jill tells me it's very, very like the book, apparently. It's very similar to the book. So, and by all accounts, that's one of the things people didn't like about the original. Well, people who liked the first film, who's people, so people who didn't like the first film said it was, there was a lot of differences in the book compared to the film. So, this one is actually a more accurate portrayal of the book, I think, by all accounts. Um, but yeah, it felt. Like it took a long time to get where it was going. Uh, yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Like I said, it's a, I did actually lose a lot of interest in it uh, to the point where I was only like half watching it by the time everything was kind of kicking off. Like, yeah. I'm trying desperately not to kind of spoil it because it is like a good turning point in the movie. Yes, it certainly is, but, yeah. 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 Uh, but out of that, I thought it was, it was nicely shot, it was nicely done. I thought all oh, the cast played it really well, um, especially oh fuck I can't even find her name. Uh, the old woman who was running the house and looking after the maids, Kristen uh, Scott Thomas. Yeah, thanks. Um, I do actually have the fucking cast list. In <laughs> uh, it was. I thought she played it really well, which yeah. has generally been a creepy person. But not. But, but there wasn't really enough of her in it. That's the annoying thing. She no. she wasn't. She didn't have a big enough role in it. The thing I would think yeah. is a bigger issue was. The age gap between them, between um, Amy Hammer and Lily James, didn't seem big enough. The whole, yes. the whole kind of point of the film is that 
Army Hammer and his wife have been married for a certain amount of time. He's a bit he they're older. She dies. And but she's such a life for the party that she's left this massive legacy. People people just adore her in every way. Then he hooks up with this like young young woman and sort of being it makes and but she's not in any way the same because she's not at the same time establish herself. The idea of the, the way the film is set up is like it almost felt like Army Hammer and his wife had only been married for maybe about a couple of years because of the age of him and the age of his wife. Yes. But but, but that it needed longer to establish that. To have, I, absolutely. So that they had to make the Army Hammer character older or make Lily James character younger. It felt like there was slight miscast. I don't know who was miscast, because both were not terrible in the roles. Both were very, you know, Army Hammer can do suave and, you know, charming, like, you know, no one's business, because he has a very suave, char- charming and suave man, and he is a billionaire as well, so he's he's totally, he's, he is okay with that. Um, and Lily James is a very charming actress as well to watch. She she, she has a lot, of, a lot of warmth, a lot of humour, and a lot of, you know, likability to her. So they weren't cast badly, but they, it, it felt like their age gap and in between them just didn't make the the, the plot line work as, as much as it should. Um, also, the thing that really disappointed me a little bit was Ben Wheatley is a very dark filmmaker. He has some really dark humour and really and really black humour as well. So obviously, sort of stuff makes you almost wince, but also giggle at the same time. There wasn't really any of that, and that's now obviously that maybe that maybe that's not in the book. But I feel when you're watching a film like you kind of want to be maybe something like that to seep into the movie in some way, and nothing like that. Yes. Nothing, nothing like that. There was none, none, no really stuff like that that crept in at any point. It felt very straight, very down the line. Yeah. Nothing, nothing made it a Ben Wheatley film compared to something like High Rise or Free Fire or Sightseers. You know, they they all to yeah. look very distinctly Ben Wheatley movies. Yeah, if you if you know any of those movies at all, you can see that the way he's directed this is very much the way. Um, if you know those movies, you can see his style coming out in this movie very much the way it's very straight-laced and it's straight to the point. You know? Aye, it's, it's, it's just not, not enough of his own styles in it. It felt very much by the numbers and that was a bit of a shame mm-hmm. for me. I would, like to see, I would like to see a director put his own stamp on things and his own mm-hmm. sort of character on the film. You know, I know he is adapting a book, so obviously you want to try and get as much into it, but you want to try and make it an adaptation and put your own stamp on it. And there wasn't enough of a Ben Wheatley stamp on this to make it, you know, interesting enough to me. By no means a bad film, but definitely more, definitely at least 25 minutes to half an hour too long. Um, Not too long. But other than that, I thought it was was passable. It's a passable watch, but I, I much like yourself. Did lose a bit of interest um, in it as I was watching it because of you know how long it was taking to get to the meat and mm. veg of it all. Um, yes. And when it does kick off, I've kind of almost lost interest a little bit as to when it's all kicking off. Um, mm. But overall, it's it's solid without being spectacular. I would say um, I would give it six and a half out of ten. I'm gonna join you on that one as well because yeah, like I said, the only thing that held it back was one the running time. To by the time it actually kicked off, I was like ready for it to be over. So, aye, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, and from that, we will move on to Amazon Prime and their sort of right now their flagship series, which is season two of The Boys. Yeah. Um, so it's eight episodes. The plot of The Boys are still trying to bring down Vought, the um, sort of major conglomerate who are sort of in charge of superheroes. Um, and try to show them as the, the, the psychopaths that they are. Um, and that's essentially where the plot kicks on from. Um, Carol Urban comes back as Butcher. Jack Quaid plays Huey. Um, Anthony Stark plays the Homelander. 
Erin Moriarty plays the can't remember her name, the main girl in it now. The, is it Sun Screen or something? Starlight. Starlight, sorry. Starlight. I, I love the comic and I couldn't remember the name there. Um, Jesse T. Usher plays um, A Train. So it's just, everyone's, everyone's back from before. Um, have you seen the. Obviously, you watched season one. I loved season one. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the comic book as well. Um, I loved how the, the season one it was inspired. Oh, by the comic, it was certainly an adaptation, but it wasn't completely beholden to it. It put its own, much like we were talking about before, it takes the idea of it and puts its own, own spin on it and brings enough in it that you recognise it, but not so much that you're, it's not like a page for page remake of it, which is totally fine. I'm okay with people adapting it. Um, yes. So, were you a fan of season one? I was. I actually, that's just what I was kind of going to allude to that. I found season one to be a lot more captivating than season two. I found that season two was kind of just trundling along, albeit it did have its highlights. Yep. I just, I don't know if it kind of grabbed me the same way that season one did. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I agree with you. I think the reason why that is season one is quite a linear story. It's a very simple, yeah. straightforward story. Season two, they're trying to expand. There's about four different storylines in season two. Cause you've got <laughs> the boys, you've got Butcher and his wife, You've got Homelander's sort of political thing with the whole vote thing. You've got yeah. Huey's sort of crisis of confidence. You've got Frenchie uh, and the woman. You know, they're, they're having yeah. their thing as well. You've also got um, Starlight and Huey as well. You've also yeah. got the newcomer at Stormfront as well. She's coming into it. You've got her trying to deal with stuff that's happening as well. There's a lot going on. And you've also got the stuff with um, The Deep as well. You know yes. him. You know, kind of, and it's a weird sort of Scientology type world that he's sort of fallen into. So, I think that was one of the. I, I put it up front. I really enjoyed. I still really enjoyed this season. Yeah. But I'm with yeah. you on that. I think there was definitely it was definitely less concise than season one. It was it was a wider net, and because of that, there's not quite the same punchiness through all of it. You know, when it's good, it's insanely good. Like the bit with the whale yes. is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, the bit with um, when you see Homeland addressing the crowd, yes, that is just that's like stunning to watch. Um, yeah, so yeah, so yeah. there's absolutely brilliant stuff in it. But I agree, it's definitely not quite as streamlined as season one, and I think that is just because of the expansive of the story. Yeah, and I get it. Like they have to do something; they can't just come back with another linear story. I do understand that, but it's just I just found the this season didn't punch as hard as like the first season did. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, but, you know, I'm absolutely with you there. I totally agree with you. I think you're absolutely correct. It doesn't quite punch as hard um, because yeah. there is so much going on. When it does hit hard, it is, it is yeah. it's a solid hit. You know, when it does hit its mark, it's brilliant. Um, and then most of it, for the most part, is excellent or, or very good at least. Um, but, yeah, I see, yeah. but the only thing is, I think season one was, for the most part, excellent. This season just very good for the most part of it. Um, it was it was also good to see as well, like the vod the kind of bigger company, like having like actual proper crises and like ah. having to like try and like micromanage everything yeah. that was going on. Ah. I did like that as yeah. well. There's some really good, like I think what they realised very quickly in season one was there's two absolute standouts in this show that you want to spend as much time with as possible. Number one, mm-hmm. Carol Urban as butcher is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely, just nails every moment of it. And when I read the comic book now, I read it in his voice. You know, that's how much. Okay. Yeah, that's much. I, I think he performs is fantastic. And Anthony Starr as Homelander, who is just 
absolutely terrifying in it, you know, because you, you just don't know what he's going to do next, because he is, that bit when he's, he's not going to ruin it, spoil it, but the bit when he's watching the new recruit training, <laughs> and he just, he does something, you're like, oh my, that is the most brutally horrible thing you've ever done to a human being, it's just absolutely horrendous. Um, uh, especially like coming from season one, uh-huh. at the end of season one, you were like, Jesus, that is brutal. Oh, aye. <laughs> and then he does that, so like, so, whoa, well, that was this guy's so, a whole other level. So horrible. Um, so that's. Like you stick up back in his milk intake. Aye. <laughs> so, because you know Carol Urban and Anthony Starr's performances as these two guys are so phenomenal, everybody else does fall by the wayside. Like. Frenchie's story for the whole film is in the whole scene is just basically to pine after the the woman. You know, it's just that's it. You know, yes. he just he doesn't really have much of a, an arc that way. Same with Mother's Milk, he doesn't really do much either. He just sort of just kind of grumbles along for most of the film. He's not really got a, an arc in the same way as other characters have. And even Huey, to an extent, is a little bit left behind as well. And he's sort of the main protagonist of the film uh, in, the, in the comic book because it's all through him because he's sort of like the outsider of the boys. You know, he's one who's seen it through your eyes. So, in a way, it's great because you get two absolute phenomenal actors doing a performance that you'll remember, you know, in the form of, you know, Butcher and Homelander. But because they are so good at what they're doing, the other ones do kind of get left a little bit by the wayside. Now it's a bit of a shame that no one else gets a chance to sort of bring their story too much to the front. Um, they're very much in the background, and that, that'll be a bit of a shame. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping like a lot of that kind of stuff gets picked up for season three. Yeah, and, like a lot, a lot of the kind of characters who had a big run in season two, they get to have a bit of a backseat, and the guys who were left behind, they get to get picked up again yeah, for season yeah. three. And I feel like I'm being negative on this show because, but I shouldn't be because I really did. I really enjoyed it. Like I watched it in like two days. Like I really enjoyed yeah, the hell yeah. of it. I absolutely, I love everything about it. I just, but there is some. It was definitely not quite hitting the same high marks as season one. But if they, yeah, but. A season two after a great season one is always the most difficult thing. You know, season three we maybe get back on track. So um, they're not off track. Just they just had to they pump the brakes a little bit too much, and they maybe try to do too much um, in this. But still, fantastic entertainment. Still fun as fuck to watch. It made me want to read the comics again, which is you know something that maybe is obviously what it's. If it does that, then it's obviously doing a good job as well. Because I love the comics. I read them when I first read them. Um, yes. Uh, and I want to read them again just to remember, you know, how good it was. So, so much stuff, and I absolutely adored. Um, but much like yourself, just a, a shade under season one, a little shade under, not not much under it, but a little bit under it. Yeah, I, I'm expecting good things for when it does come back. I don't even know when season three is coming out, but whenever it does come back, I'm sure it'll be. I'll, I'm sure it'll hit all the notes, and I'll be sitting there as always with everyone else watching the first episodes when they get launched. Aye. So. Like I said, if you're a fan of season one, you'll love season two, and if you, and you'll want to watch more. And then watching season two makes you want season three. There's there's no there's no oh, question yeah. about that. Um, yeah. And there's just there is so much stuff to love in it. Like I said, the scene with the whale will absolutely end you. You know, it's it's yes. just, it's one of the most fucking amazing things I've seen on on screen. <laughs> um, even more than the dolphins, even more than the dolphins scene in season one. It's just like what? It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just it's um ah. Uh, uh, what's his fucking name? The deep, the deep uh-huh. Yeah, it's just like it's just everything through the first and second season. It's like any time he tries to save an animal, uh-huh. it always ends up going terribly wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. There's also something. Also, what annoyed me a little bit about it was there's a character in the film who is a really interesting storyline. I wish they'd explored it more. Who was a super, the, the the hero guy of the you know the, the guy with the mutation where. 
if you cut a bit of them off, it would grow back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a really interesting, you know, because he's basically, he's basically whoring himself out to psychopaths who want to, who want to chop bits of his body off just because they know they can't get arrested for it because he'll, he'll, he'll live. You know, yes, that's a really fucked up and and weird thing, you know, and that's what the comic book has as well. Just really bizarre stuff like that, where it's sort of people use really random fetish stuff, you know, yeah. but they can live it out because there's no damage done to the person, you know, because they, well, you know, that that so that that I wish I explored that guy's story a bit more. Maybe they will later on, but that, that I really like that character. Well, that's what that's what I've been thinking about this week. It's like the amount of like. Um, the amount of kids that are like a hit in puberty in twenty twenty, they're gonna have some weird fucked up fetishes. They're gonna be like, nah, just keep your mask on. Like, Aye, just that, it'll, it'll, you know, it yeah. will be. It'll be kids who will like people with masks on. That, that's what it's gonna be. Hundred yeah. percent. Masking of this really kind of, or like, you know, or they really love eyes. They'll really, they'll just fall in love with people's eyes. You know, be very, yeah. You know, or a lot of people are into like PPE and sort of sexy PPE will be the new thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, to bring it back to the boys. I like this series purely because, like, you know, for for a long time, the cinemas have been absolutely rammed full of, like, superhero movies. Yep. So to actually see, let's be honest, what people would actually be like with superpowers, yes. it's like a, it is like a breath of fresh air. You know, I agree. Because it, it is a topic that, let's be honest, the like, mainstream, like, comic studios, they don't really ever address it. No, I agree. Um, the, the fact that people... Albeit they'll get superpowers, but it doesn't take away the fact that they're fucking bastards. And deep down inside. And also, so, and also. Yeah, yeah. Aye. So, no. yeah, to, to, for this to be addressing it is absolutely perfect. And it always has a place in my heart. You know? I, I agree. I'm with you on that. that. That's the whole point of the boys as well. If you get a chance to read the yeah. boys, um, it's done by Gar- Gareth Ennis. Absolutely fantastic read. So much, so worth your yeah. time. It's so brutal, so funny, so dark. Yeah, I was. I was told a long time ago when the first season was out and I didn't catch it when it came out um, about what, about reading the comics and I didn't do anything then. So I think maybe in the coming, at least in the coming weeks, I might actually try and pick up at least one of the first set of the books. Or I, I think you can buy volume one online for a relatively decent price. Um, so I, I would yeah. definitely recommend getting that. Um, out of 10, what are you giving this one? Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 because it is it's still good it's still pushing the stories on it's just for me I found that just a bit too much going on to actually kind of enjoy the overall experience of it all agreed I'm with you 8 out of 10 as well lots to love lots to enjoy some of the most fucked up stuff you're seeing on a, on a TV show <laughs> um, but like just a slight shade below um, season 1 not, not much below yeah. but it's a little bit below um, and that is us for this week um, next week we've got some interesting stuff to, to watch well, it's already been out for a while but people might not have uh, people hopefully have watched it and we can discuss it later um, which is the first one is Borat 2 or Borat subsequent movie film which um, we will discuss at length I'm sure um, on next week's show um, we've also got Becky which is a, a horror movie starring uh, Kevin James which is sort of intriguing in many ways okay um, not Kevin Smith, Kevin James, even though he has mistaken for the mistaken. Um, we've got the new re- the, the new remake, the remake of The Witches, which is starring mm. Anne Hathaway and directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, that's out as well. You can get that on Prime Download, uh, Prime sorry, Prime Pay Per View or something it's called. Yeah. And also on Apple Plus, we have the new Hugh McGregor and Charlie Borman. A motorbike show called Long Way Up, the third instalment of their yeah. motorbike saga. 
Um, so yes. I've got that as well. So lots of interesting stuff to watch. Barry, people where to find us? All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's great. And that's for this, as for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.